This is the Two-Tone Uncensored Podcast. Hosts Matt McCrone, Brian Moreland, and Glenn Lotzenheiser talk every from Tennessee Titans. This show is made for the fans of Bleed Two-Tone Blue. Bennett, and you're listening to Two-Tone Uncensored. Welcome to Two-Tone Uncensored. I am your host, Ryan Moreland. With me this week, as always, my favorite person in the world this week, Matt Necrone. How you doing, Matt? Favorite person of everyone's world. I'm doing great. How are you? I don't know if that's true, but anybody who's a fan of this show, you're definitely going to be on their uh, good side after we announce this news. Glenn, the Ray Childress of podcasting. Lotzenheiser. What's up, Glenn? I am here to dominate and control your offensive line. I'm going to sack your quarterback, and I'm going to beat the crap out of him. That's exactly right. That's exactly what he does on the show, too. I like what you did there. (laughs) We have some real quick news before we jump into the show. Uh, Obviously, you're going to hear Jim Wyatt coming up here shortly. Glad to have him on Titans Insider and has been reporting on the Tennessee Titans for several years. A long time. Jim's been a big part of this organization. Uh, Also, next week we will have Mr. Monday Night himself. Keith Bullock is going to be on the show. Very excited about this to have Tennessee Titans legend come on with us. Uh, Absolutely very excited about it. So check that out next week. But right now, let's jump into the show. We're very excited to have with us today Titans insider and former Tennessean reporter Jim White. How you doing, Jim? I'm doing great. I hope you're doing well today. Doing great. Very excited to have you on the show and get some of this inside information. Let's jump into the questions here. All right, Jim. So we know that Corey Davis will miss some time with his hamstring injury. Uh, reports have said he's considered week to week and he's likely to be there for the opener in Oakland. Do you see Coach Malarkey keeping him out until that week one matchup? Or do you think we'll test him out sometime during the preseason? Well, I think I'll be very careful with him because I've been around seen a lot of guys deal with hamstring injuries and you try to bring them back too soon and they set themselves back even further so uh i watched him the day that it happened it happened pretty much right in front of me and he just kind of came up on on, after making a catch just kind of came up you know running a little funny and and holding himself back and then uh you could tell it was bothering him i think he was worried it was going to be a long-term situation and uh, you know, the MRI wasn't quite as bad as he feared, the team feared. So, you know, they're going to be patient with him. I think they'd like to give him some playing time in the preseason up to speed, but uh, I, I don't think they necessarily feel like they have to because he's a type of guy that, you know, is physically he's he can win one-on-one battles, and I think they feel like he's a smart guy who can get up to speed pretty quickly he would have to play in the preseason get ready for the regular season and uh and the last thing he would do is risk it and set him back even further jim we signed running back danny radcliffe do you think this changes the depth chart at all and what do you think of this signing i don't think really at this time uh in camp and, and with preseason games sometimes you make roster moves just to kind of get you through the preseason and sometimes you do it just to maybe see what a guy has when you start thinking ahead to 
to practice squad spots. I mean, DeMarco Murray's been dealing with a hamstring injury, and uh, I think he'll be limited throughout the preseason, not just because of the injury, but because he just doesn't need a lot of work at this time. So, you know, behind him, Derek Henry is going to play, but probably not going to use him a whole bunch. You're down to you know, guys like Kalfani Muhammad, David Fulwellen, Hakeem Judd, who's been around here for a while. I just think Radcliffe joins a rotation of players, and I think as the preseason goes on, especially some of these games, especially week four when you're not going to see any of the starters out there, uh, I think you could see someone like that get extended time and, and just try to do something to stick around uh, for a practice squad spot. Speaking of Calvani Muhammad, we've seen him a lot working out first team at kick returner. It looks like right now he's the kick returner and Adoree Jackson's the punt returner. Do you expect that to be the set going into season? Well, I mean, based on what I saw from Adoree Jackson just the other night, I mean, he looks more than capable on both. Um, and can't forget that Eric Weems, you know, they brought him in here uh, to do some of that as well. That's one of the more intriguing spots uh you know, because, uh, again, Weems was brought here in March, and I think everybody figured he'd be the guy, and now they signed a, drafted a couple of guys who can do it in Muhammad and Jackson. I, I personally, you know, think Weems still has a chance to make the team, even if he's not the returner, just because he's so good in other areas on special teams. But uh, they might feel safer having him do kicks and having having a a more explosive guy like Jackson do punt. So, you know, and Muhammad's got to make the team in order to win that job, and I don't know that that is a given at this point. I mean, I, I, I certainly like what I've seen out of him. He's different, but uh, you know, he's running behind David Fuellen on that depth chart, and and um, he's going to have to do something to show he has more value than just maybe returning kicks on Sundays because a lot of those kicks, as you guys know, are end up being touchbacks anyway. So he's got to make the team to kind of get put himself in contention, and uh, I think he still has some work to do. Which is one of the nice things about the new rule where you don't have to cut everybody you know, on a regular basis going through the preseason. It gives these young guys more time to earn that roster spot, so it, it gives them a chance at least. Yeah, I think I was glad to see that, and I know John Robinson was glad to see it. I mean, instead of going from 90 to 75, and then you're trying to really make some tough decisions in that final preseason game. Those guys are playing, you know, the bulk of the time, and uh, you're able to save guys. You're able to give guys an extended look for not only a chance to stick here, but for other teams to see them. So uh, I think that was a good move by the league, and I think it's going to give some guys a chance to shine in uh, in what maybe is a meaningless preseason game in the eyes of a lot of fans, but certainly not that way these guys fighting for spots. And, you know, and speaking of camp, what's the position group that you've enjoyed watching most this all season so far? I think receiver and corner. I'm going to go with both of them just because the receiver is always fun to watch these new guys come in and the guys that hadn't been around much. And so uh, until Corey Davis got hurt, I mean, that was fun to see him and see what he's all about. Eric Decker's looked great, uh, you know, throughout camp so far. First time I've really seen him, he was on the field during the mini camp, but he was he was on the field talking to Malarkey and Robinson in street clothes. So this is the first time we've seen him up close, and uh, he catches the ball well. He's big, physical. He's already developed great chemistry with Marcus Mariota. You can tell. I think you know, a guy like Kwan Taylor uh, has been fun to watch in the you know in off season and certainly in in training camp as well. I mean, he he was overshadowed by the Davis pick, but Taylor has been really good. 
so far in practices and uh, I'm, I'm interested to see how that all shakes out we're still waiting on Tajay Shark practice he's dealing with a foot injury I expect him to kind of make his presence known when he comes back but there's some stuff to be sorted through there I mean Trey McBride Harry Douglas the guy from Vanderbilt and Jonathan Krause all those guys have had some good good practices a big guy named Mikhail McKay who's a 6'5 receiver who made some plays in the scrimmage on Saturday he's had his moment so they've got some things to sort through there not only from who makes a roster but who makes a practice squad and in the corner uh you know so many new faces there from Logan Ryan to uh, I mentioned Dory Jackson in the return game and he's competing Jonathan Cyprian uh Devontae Hurst uh, they've got a lot of new faces and uh, a, a lot to be sorted out of that position as well yeah, definitely. Now, from maybe a different position group, is there anything that, that happened this past week that kind of you know took you by surprise as far as you know somebody you didn't expect to see or, or something that stood out to you? I think uh, yeah, I think guys that you you kind of are curious about are starting to get noticed a little more. And I think camp started, and I think a lot of questions were hovering around Kevin Dodd. Uh, just because I hadn't seen him on the field much, and he's and the whole off season, he was kind of waiting patiently and questions about whether he was going to be ready for camp, especially after they signed Eric Walden right before camp started. I think Dodd has been a a bit of a pleasant surprise. I mean, I think he, you know, I think he's flashed some in these practices, and I think Walden's looked good. So I think that's one development is uh, is maybe the team has more depth an outside linebacker than uh than it looked like it was going to have when you know when training camp started. Jim, over the last several years, very few people have had more insight and more time with the team than you have. Have you noticed a big change in the atmosphere in the John Robinson and, and Mike Malarkey era? Yeah, it's, it's completely different than how it was a couple of years ago. I mean, I've I've been around here long enough to to see the good and the bad and uh you know the good from 99 to 2003 when when the team went to playoffs four times in five years a couple AFC championship games a super bowl and you had guys like steve mcnear and eddie george and savon curse and frank wachek and Derek mason and bruce matthews i mean it was it was a star-studded group and guys who ran a, a good locker room of accountable players and then I saw a stretch from you know 2000, 2004, 2005 when they kind of bottomed out, and and uh, you know when some guys came in here that uh, that brought a lot of attention to themselves for uh, for reasons other than just playing football, and and that that time period you know picked back up, I guess uh, you know in recent years when they when the team went three and thirteen and two and four in back-to-back years and I think they had to weed out some players that you know were more of uh, me first guys instead of team first guys guys who when things got bad in the year I think they were ready for the season to be over with I think I really do think that those guys are uh, have have been weeded out and and that's because Mike Malarkey is not going to tolerate it it's because John Robbs is not going to tolerate it and really it's because some of the veterans who've been brought in here uh, you know, whether it's Brian Arakpo or DeMarco Murray uh, or, or Ben Jones, I mean, th- those guys aren't tolerating it either. And they they kind of please each other in the locker room. And because of that, I think everybody's with the, you know, with the program. And, 
you know, if somebody's slacking off, they're going to get called out. If, uh, if the guy's not giving a, a complete effort or is not doing things the way he wanted to be done, they're going to have to suffer the consequences. And, you know, we've seen that, you know, in roster decisions. We've seen, you know, whether it's a guy like uh, Dorio Green-Beckham traded or Sebastian Trichola cut uh, and and passing on other players in the draft and free agency. I, I think they have built a roster where you've got more – you've got guys that are accountable – and, and that's resulted in a complete change in culture around here. Where, uh, and I think that's one of the reasons why they're, they're on the upswing. Who's the one player that's not getting enough attention from the fans? Who should we be looking at that we're not seeing? Who are we missing that we should be watching? I mean, I think I think Kevin Byers, one guy that's uh, I think as people know him because he went to MTSU, and people know him because they've talked about him uh, being a, a playmaker for years to come but we haven't really seen it i mean he, i think he had a solid rookie year but he certainly didn't make those game-changing plays like he made at mtsu i think kevin Byer becomes more of a household name this year i think uh i think some of the more underrated guys daquan jones on the defensive line i think is a really good player who gets overlooked because of uh guys like Darrell casey i think on the offensive line somebody like quentin spain gets overlooked because of guys like Taylor Lewan and Jack Conklin. And uh, so they've got some under-the-radar players who are good at what they do, and uh, and I think they're just going to keep getting better. Those are just three. Yeah, which new face to the team, the newest additions, do you think will have the biggest impact on this team, whether it be like an Eric Decker or somebody we drafted like a Corey Davis? Yeah, I think Decker for sure. I think Davis, as long as he gets healthy, I mean that's that's the big thing with him is you just you got to keep your fingers crossed that he's not going to have setbacks and and get behind. Uh, if, you know he was poised, it looked like the first week of camp to really start strong. I mean he was working with the ones, he was making plays in practice, and then now we're just going to have to wait and see. But uh, I think I think Decker's going to make an impact early on offense. I think. Uh, I think Jonathan Cyprian, uh, a couple of guys on defense, and newcomers, I think Cyprian, Logan Ryan, those guys are really going to be good in the secondary. I think another guy who kind of under the radar free agency signing was Sylvester Williams, the nose tackle from Denver, uh, who was really slow during the offseason himself because of a, a lingering ankle injury. I think he's going to quietly – I say quality, he's going to want to be disruptive in the middle, but he's not going to get a lot of credit because I don't think he's going to get a lot of sacks and and those type numbers. But I think he's going to plug the hole. I think he's going to help you know the defense and allow some other guys around him to make plays. I, th- I think he's an underrated guy who who uh, not being talked about a lot. How much pressure does the signing of Eric Walden put on Kevin Dodd? Uh, yeah, I don't know that competing for roster spots necessarily. I think both of them are going to make it. I think, uh, you know, if anything, uh, you know, I think the signing of Eric Walden, you know, takes some pressure off of, you know, Morgan and Arakpo, and, and it should bring a little bit of a sense of urgency to Dodd because, you know, he's supposed to be the one heading into year two, being a second-round pick that's, that's changing games. And, uh, and I think he, you know, had obviously had a year of frustration not being able to play much last year because of the foot. I mean, I think if he sees Walden coming here being disruptive, I think that's going to motivate him to do more. But 
just being a dad, I mean, I, I get the sense that he, he he's pretty uh, upset and motivated himself just about the way his year went and having football taken away from him for a year. And uh, I don't know that he necessarily needed Walden to drive that point home, but uh, maybe that plays some role in, in him continuing to work. Have you noticed any tension uh, in the team when Eric Walden came in just because he was playing for a division rival before? No, I, I think people were glad to see him because, uh, you know, he, he did have a – he did butt heads with Delaney Walker here you know, <laughs> in uh, more ways than one, I guess, uh, when he played for the Colts. So, no, he had a little bit of a rep because of his exchange on a, you know, during a night game here when the Colts were here. But guys were glad to see him. I, mean, I think when you look at this team heading into camp, or at least a week before camp, I think it was easy to say that the, that the pass rush and depth there was a concern because, you know, David Bass left and he, was, he helped his team, you know, some last year. He's now with Seattle. But without him, you didn't really have anybody behind a right corner. Morgan that had any really experience or any any uh, real street cred, and uh, and you signed a guy like Walden who had you know, eleven sacks last year. I think he, I think guys embraced him. I think the offensive line certainly knows what he can do. You know, even even Delaney who wasn't too uh, certainly didn't send him a Christmas card a couple of years ago. I think even he was glad to see a guy like that come in and help. So I think you put all that stuff aside when you're a team, you know, Jonathan Cyprian was a Jaguar, you know, playing those games against the Titans. Uh, you know, they welcomed him in you know, all these guys kind of compete and there may be some bad blood at times, but you know, if you can make the team better, you know, you're, you're, you're pretty accepted. Yeah. That's what it all comes down to. Do they help us win? You know, and speaking of helping us win, we've got, you know, an NFL legend, one of the all time greats and Dick LeBeau. How much longer, do you see him continue to coach for us? And are we grooming someone to replace him whenever he's done? Or is he just going to coach forever? <laughs> well, I mean, he's, you know, I watch him in amazement, you know, about every day. Uh, just, uh, you know, he turns eight years old September the 9th. And, uh, you know, the team came on the field Saturday night, and here he is kind of jogging past you like a, like a young man. And uh, he's got a useful exuberance about him that I think is, contagious and i think he uh you know i think him being around these young players um, and young people keeps him with a youthful exuberance about him i've got him off his wall kind of a part of his fame speech from a couple of years ago just about how you know life is worth living and and don't let anybody tell you that age is anything but a number and uh you know and he's talked about how much satisfaction he's gotten from winning Super Bowls and being inducted to Hall of Fames and and some of the things he's done later in life, and that's because he's decided to stick around and not retire. So I think he's going to keep doing it as long as he feels like he's up for it, and they love having him. I mean, the players love him. Coach Malarkey, you know, loves having him around. He's, you know, he's a guy players want to play for. Uh, he can't coach forever. I mean, he said that, you know, he says that every year, and he goes, he gets his contract year to year instead of having long-term deals. But you know, last when last season ended, I don't think it really even discussed much about whether he was coming back or not. You know, I think him and Malarkey just kind of gave each other the look, and uh, when they left, and that hey, he's, I'm coming back, and I expect when this season ends that uh, you know that if he feels up for it, he'll keep on going. But one of these days, he's gonna he's gonna hang it up and. As far as who was there to take his place, I mean, they've got some guys on staff who I think 
would be candidates, but I don't think any of them would necessarily want to be considered as someone who who is um, they're ready to take over. I think they're just going to keep working and, and then maybe would be in line for promotion if he all of a sudden decided one day he's he's ready to hang it up. Have you uh, have you heard anything about the new uniform alterations that they've talked about recently? I know they're coming, uh, and I've um, maybe heard uh, just the you know, rumor mill stuff, and not anything that I can necessarily share because I uh, uh, I don't think anybody would would uh, necessarily yeah. want me discussing it. But uh, but uh, and and uh, I haven't seen them at all. I just know that you know the owner, Amy Adam Strunk, has talked about you know some of these changes and and uh, how they're going to go into effect next year. But uh, people have been pretty tight lipped around and it's one of those things that nobody wants to discuss too much because nobody wants to for a is people don't know a lot about it because nobody's talking much about it b you certainly don't want to be leaking anything out about it jim your whole career has been getting information from the team and giving it out to the public have you noticed it being any harder to get information out of john robinson than it was say rustin webster well, I will say this. I mean, my job's different now than it was. You guys missed out with the Tennessee and, you know, before. It's a different job now than what I used to have. When I when I was working at the Tennessee and all those years, you know, my, my opinion of a job as a beat guy is you're supposed to be breaking news. You're supposed to tell fans what's going on behind closed doors. You're supposed to, you know, report. You're supposed to be the guy who, who reports first, you know, who's, Who's getting hired? Who's getting fired? Who's getting cut? Does the guy have an ACL injury or is an MCL injury? Or who's coming in on a trial? You know, uh, you know what changes are going to be made on the staff? I mean, all that stuff is the job of a of a big guy when you work in a newspaper. And if you don't get that information, then you're not doing your job. And uh, and I fought those battles when I was working at Tennessee and trying to get information out of you know, anybody from. You know, from Jeff Fisher to Mike Munchak to to Ken Wizenhunt, or from Floyd Reese to you know Mike Reinfeld to Rustin Webster, and some helped you more than others. You got to get uh, you know you got to build other sources as well. When those guys don't want to tell you anything, I don't have to deal with Robinson from that perspective just because I'm working with the team now. So so. Not that he's a guy that keeps things close to his vest and and keeps things quiet for the most part. But I'm not, you know, I'm kind of on a need to know basis with him. And if he if he wants to share something with me, he'll let me know. Uh, I don't necessarily have to text him all the time and call him all the time like I did my other job. I, I can tell that he's pretty based on the information that gets out of here. Now I can tell he's not showing his cars to too many other people along the way either. So, uh, you know, just judging on, I don't, I don't know what that's the people who are covering the team or, or, or him as a GM, but not a lot of stuff is getting out as far as leaks go. So I, I think that maybe is the answer to the question here. I, I don't think he's, uh, he's too willing to uh, divulge information as a GM. Yeah, and I'm sure the Tennessee misses you. You are nationally recognized as a beat writer for them. And, you know, now you've switched sides, kind of. You're, you're one of the guys who's just disseminating the information out there to people. Now, what, what made you switch from the Tennessee to go work directly for the Titans? I just think it was a time, it was kind of a perfect time 
in my life to just kind of make a, a change. I mean, I, I loved working at Tennessean. I love being, you know, a beat guy and, and because I'm competitive and I love breaking stories and, uh, you know, and loved being on top of things because I took a lot of pride in trying to get stories first. You know, I grew up reading the Tennessean and, and worked there when I got out of college and I loved trying to get the Tennessean recognition by us being on front in Titans news. But you know, that job is a grind. If you do it the right way, it's a 24 seven deal. It's a sleep with a phone under your pillow. It's, you know, being willing to uh, have dinners interrupted on a regular basis and miss it out on the other things because, uh, because you've got to track down a story. Even if there's, if, if even if nothing comes from it, a ne- nonstop, never ending, job if you do it the right way and you know as i look forward you know i've tried to I had to make a decision do i don't do this for the rest of my life and or have a job where uh i could work for the team in town and uh and uh maybe would have that same kind of pressure and um and and be able to write do just i can still do analysis i can still do feature stories i can still cover the team just like i used to i'm just not you know i'm just not having to deal with the grind that I used to and it just was felt like it was the right time for me to uh, to have a little bit of a better life from a uh, being able to not deal with all the stuff that you have to as a big guy because that big job guy again if you do it the right way it's a it's a grind and uh, it's it's life consuming and I, I wasn't going to be at the Tennessee and, and cover it any other way that I did and that's 24 7 and uh I, I didn't want to be doing that for the rest of my life i guess yeah you you definitely earned it man because you were the go-to guy for a very long time it's a great organization to work for they've been very good to me as far as uh as letting me kind of try to do close to the same thing and again i'm still writing feature stories i'm still writing analysis i'm still going to games you know here i'm covering you know stuff I used to cover the paper and more. I mean, we're covering the, the Titans online, Super Bowls and and Pro Bowls and owners meetings and combines and pro days and uh, and a lot of stuff that newspapers don't cover anymore. So in a lot of ways, I mean, I've got a lot more benefits working with the team than I did working uh, with the newspaper. Jim, you've been, for a long time you've worked with a lot of different players now in the Titans organization. I was going to ask you uh, one current and one former Titan that was just your favorite to sit down and talk to to interview. Yeah, it's it's Eddie George. I mean, it always comes to mind. You know, just as being one of my all-time favorites, just because he's such a classy guy and and, I, and he continues to live his life the same way. I mean, he's uh, you know. He, uh, I still remember the days. I'm kind of looking out my window over the practice field now, and and uh, I still remember those days before some of these big playoff games and big games uh, late in the season where he would just get into game mode and would just pace the field, and uh, you could kind of see the look in his eyes and on his face, you know, what it meant to him. And he, uh, you know, he just always handled himself with such class. I mean, I, Steve McNair was – one of my all-time favorites too, and it's a shame he's no longer with us. He he was a stand-up guy, toughest guy you ever be around. Wouldn't practice a lot of weeks, would still play, talk to the media every day. You know, would would be out in the community helping kids and and uh, and do a lot of things that, that he didn't want attention for, but he did it anyway. 
there, there were so many guys during that era, and I could go on and on about memorable players. I hate to slight some by just naming those two, but uh, but those two definitely stand out to me. And then, you know, current guys. I mean, it's it's a great locker room now, and uh, you know, I, I think you know a guy like Marcus Mariota reminds me so much of of Steve McNair just by the way he handles himself and is not blaming people when things go wrong and and uh you know works hard and and uh you know you watch him communicate and with the fans and and how gracious he is I mean he's he's a rare guy um especially at that position and uh I'm hoping one day you know his career will go along like Steve McNair's was where people will be able to look back at him the same way about when being one of all-time greats he certainly has you know the makeup for it and certainly has the right mindset and and attitude so I hope his career ends the carries on the same way as, as some of those other guys I just mentioned yeah Eddie is definitely on our Mount Rushmore of you know former players that we want to interview we've got you know some pretty good interviews from some of these guys but Eddie's you know right up there you know and, and as we try to move into more of the current players you know Marcus is obviously the guy that everybody wants to talk to and hear from just because he is a lot, like you said, uh, he comes off a lot like Steve where it's going to be all right. We're just going to keep working. Everybody's going to be fine. Just do your part and everything's going to work out. Yeah. And, and I think one thing that you know kind of speaks to how he is and how similar is to McNair is I did a story, you know, on, on Michelle McNair and her two boys about Steve when he went to the Tennessee sports hall of fame last year and she said she was watching you know an interview that Mariota did on television with her boys in the room and she kind of stopped him and said hey you know watch him and how he handles himself and this is how your dad used to do and uh, you know he's, he's giving credit to other people he's not blaming guys and things don't go well and this is how this is how you're supposed to do it and she recognized that after seeing her husband do it for so many years and he's uh you know he's a he's a guy that uh, is a great representative for the organization. There's no doubt, and as long as he can stay healthy and they keep surrounding him with good players, he's going to be you know, he's got a chance to be a great one. Yeah, definitely the same vibe to him. One more question about John Robinson: What's the most surprising move that he's made since he came into the organization? What what shocked you that he did, or just you know you didn't see coming at all? Well, it's so, uh, you know, he's, not, he's gotten now because he's done so much stuff that it's almost nothing surprised you with him. I mean, it was back in the day, people would ask you, you know, you see the Titans making a trade for DeMarco Murray or you think there's a chance the Titans are trading number one pick or, you know, with the chances the Titans, you know, doing this and that. And, and you probably pretty much say, you know, I, I doubt that's going to happen just because it never been done before. And then he comes in and he's, Trades for DeMarco Murray, which was kind of shows you what he was right out, what about right out of the gate. That was a surprise, and then he trades the number one gets quite a haul. That that ends up leading him, you know, getting Jack Conklin and then getting, uh, you know, getting Corey Davis this year. I mean, he, he's made so many moves, you know, from those two to trading DGB last year. A move some people questioned, you know, early, but aren't questioning more since they extended Dennis Kelly and Doris. Drew Green Beckham still looking for a job. I mean, he's 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 been very bold in a lot of moves, and uh, I think the you know, the first two, the the Demarco Murray trade, and I think the trading the number one pick, the two that jump out at me the most. But he's 
he's been very active and uh you know he's talked about his dad you know growing up on the farm you know down in west tennessee you know trading tractors and hunting dogs and and equipment and and uh so he kind of watched him as a young boy make some of those moves he's kind of carried it over you know to some degree on the nfl just dealing with uh high-priced players and uh and certainly a a high-pressure business i got one more question for you there's probably more off-season hype surrounding this team right now than i can ever remember so in your opinion how likely is this team to end the eight-year drought and finally get back to the playoffs well, I think it's got a great chance, but you know, you just you know, you got to stay healthy. I mean, that's that's the biggest thing. I mean, it's, right now, I think looking at the team and looking at the division, and looking at how things have changed around here. I, I mean, I think the Titans have got a great chance uh, to intend and and win the AFC South, and then getting into the playoffs, and you never know what can happen. But you know, this, if something happens, if something should happen to Mario Oder, or something should happen to other key players in the whole season look different so you just got to keep your fingers crossed that you can stay healthy and uh, you got to win close games and that's, that's one thing that this team did last year that hadn't been that had not been happening around here in recent years is they won the they won a game against Detroit late on a touchdown they you know, they, they, they kick a 50 three yard field goal or beat Kansas City on the last play of the game you know uh, you know, beat Denver here when you get a stop, you know, on a strip and fumble recovery late. I mean, you, you got to win those games. I and mean, most of the time these games in the NFL coming down the last series or two. And uh, I think this team kind of found a way to win last year. And now they've got to carry that over. And I, I think the, the the mindset is different. You know, the, the personnel's better. The depth's better. Should be in a position to win. But, uh you know, you, you got to do it. I mean, should have been in a position to go to playoffs last year and, and lose down in Jacksonville, you know, and not but not because the quarterback got hurt, because that game was going the wrong way even before that happened. I mean, you you got to take care of business in games you're supposed to win, and uh, and you got to you got to do that week in and week out. And uh, it's a tough start. I mean, the schedule out of the gate, Raiders. At Jacksonville, you know Seattle coming in here at Houston at Miami. You know, that's a tough five-game stretch uh, before the Colts come in, and then the Titans haven't been the Colts in a, in a long, long time. So you got to survive the start, and then uh, then you got to be you know you got to be consistent. You got to stay healthy. Thanks, Jim. A lot for coming on, Jim White. Everybody, Titans insider, long time with the team. It was a lot of fun talking to you, and we hope this isn't the last time we have you on the show. Okay, yeah, just reach out to me. I appreciate you guys having me on. Thanks a lot, Jim. Thank you so much, sir. Okay, appreciate it. We want to say thanks again to Jim Wyatt for coming on the show with us. It was an honor to have him on and an absolute pleasure to get some of his inside stuff. Um, But before we get out of here, we want to remind everyone, be sure to check out the raffle still going on. You can purchase raffle tickets at our online store ttupodcast.com slash store. You can find everything really going on with our podcast there on that ttupodcast.com site. Buying these raffle tickets will enter you in a chance to win a spot on our fantasy football league, a shout out on the show, you coming on the show to give your season predictions with us, or the big prize, week nine tickets to the Ravens at Titans game at Nissan Stadium.
It's only two bucks for a ticket, three bucks for five, or ten for ten. Definitely worth buying a ticket. Well, that'll be going on just for a little bit longer, only a week or two before we pull names. And we have Keith Bullock on next week. Probably the most exciting information that we're going to throw at you today. Very excited about this. Uh, absolute honor to have a guy like that on. A Tennessee Titans legend like Keith Bullock on the show is absolutely um, fantastic. Matt did a lot of hard work uh, to get him on. So if you see Matt on Twitter or Facebook, throw a little love his way because he's the one that set that up completely. That was all him. But as always, thanks to all you awesome fans out there that make this show possible Thanks to my co-hosts, Matt and Glenn, uh, for making this show fun to come on. We'll be back next Wednesday, as we are each and every week, uh, and ramping up towards this season. And, it, man, I'm excited. I'm ready to go, and I know these two guys are too. So with that being said, everybody tighten up. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Two-Tone Uncensored podcast. You can listen to the show at twotoneuncensored.podbean.com or by downloading the Podbean app on your mobile device. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at Two-Tone Uncensored and like us on Facebook.